We are in week three of our current series, uh, Control, or Out of Control, and really what we're looking at are the things in our lives that, that we tend to want to control, but we're better when we're not in control, when we're surrendering control to God. And for two weeks ago on graduation Sunday, we talked about our future and what it means to have God in control of our future. And now, uh, last Sunday, Pastor Eric talked about our reputation and wanting to be people pleasers and how sometimes we just have to place our reputation in the hands of God and to do what's right. And today we come and actually our scripture We'll introduce our topic for today. It comes from James chapter 3. The book of James chapter 3, if you have your Bibles there in front of you, you can read. You can, they're, they're also in, in the pews in front. You can read along and will be up on the screen. I'm reading from James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. So 12 verses. It goes like this. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep our whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest fire. This forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sends the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. After the Memorial Day weekend, I, uh, I was viciously attacked by a stomach bug. Oh, I will spare you the details. <laughs> For a couple days, I was not well. And uh, you know how that goes. But what was interesting is, is those days were coming to an end, and I started to feel a little better and was able to eat a little bit. And I ate, but still not feeling great, and went to bed and got up in the morning. I looked in the mirror, opened my mouth, and my tongue was black. Totally black. And I looked at it, and I'm wondering what's going on. And so, I, you know, I figured I've contracted the plague. <laughs> you know. So I did what you would do. I went and Googled black tongue when waking up. <laughs> and I found out when I Googled black tongue when waking up that there is a chemical in Pepto-Bismol 
that can make tongues turn black and you can wake up in the morning with a black tongue. I haven't had Pepto-Bismol in a long, long time and Sheila pulled out, a, I wasn't, after eating some stuff, I wasn't feeling that great that night, she pulled out a couple of those tablets and I chewed them and, and sure enough, my tongue was as black as black when I woke up in the morning. And so it was kind of scary, but it made me think, you know, it's a tongue and it's one of those things you don't think about much. It's a lot of other parts of our body and different things we take for granted. We don't think much unless there's something wrong. You know, it's, it's a wrong color or, or you bite into it and all of a sudden that's painful. Or maybe you have a situation where you got, you know, those bumps on it and it's like that. And, and so, you know, this, this tongue here is what James is talking about. And this tongue, the, the, uh, the dictionary tells us, is a fleshy muscular organ in the mouth of a mammal. And it's designed to taste, to swallow, and what else? To lick. (laughs) Taste, swallow, and lick. But in a human being, we add one more thing to that, and it's to articulate conversation. To articulate speech. That is the part of the tongue and the action of the tongue that James is concerned about. The articulation of speech with this fleshy, muscular organ that's in our body. And so James starts off, and he, and he starts off, it seems like he's beating around the bush, but he's really setting up the story here, or setting up what he wants to say. And he says, you know, speaking of, thinking of the tongue, he starts talking about teachers. And he says, not many of you should be teachers. And he's saying this because there apparently was a long line of people wanting to be teachers. There was a great amount of prestige on those in that day who were considered to be teachers of the church. So if you wanted prestige, you, you would want to be a teacher. So people were aspiring to be teachers. And he's saying here, be very careful. Not everybody should be a teacher. And he says, because, you know, there's a standard for teachers. There's an accountability. You're going to be judged at a higher level. And so unless you are willing to be Put yourself out in that manner. Be careful. And then he says, it's because really all of us stumble in many ways. That stumble word in the Greek is is sin. We sin in many ways. Even though though he's writing to Christians, James is the brother of Jesus. James is the head of the church in Jerusalem, and he's, he's writing, we think of these as a book, but he's writing a letter, and he's writing a letter, and he says, this letter is to all you, all the Jews who were in Jerusalem, but now are scattered. The, the persecution has come, and, and they're scattered all about, and they're trying to live their Christian lives. And he's saying, we all stumble. We all fail. He says, now some, he said, if you can keep, if you can keep your mouth in check, you can live a perfect life. But you can read as he's saying this, nobody is living a perfect life. And so it's, he's come to this like nobody is living a perfect life, nobody is keeping their mouth in check. And then he starts throwing these examples around, these object lessons, as he start, continues to introduce the subject. And he says, you know, it's kind of like you all know about the, the, the little bit that goes in the mouth of a horse. He says, you put that bit there, and with that bit, the rider can make that horse turn whichever direction they want. A very small little bit in a very, very large animal. And then he says, and it's like it is this, this rudder on a ship, a very large boat. 
but a very small rudder. And that rudder is used to make it, the ship go the direction the captain wants, even though the winds come, even though the waves come about the boat. It can go in the direction the captain wants just with this little rudder in the back of it. And so he's throwing out these examples that everybody would know. Everybody who picked up this letter from James could say, oh yeah, I know that bit in that horse. I know the rudder on the boat. I understand that. Um, but what's your point? <laughs> and so we see James start to get to the point in verse 5. Verse 5 goes like this. Likewise, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. He says, likewise, stop there for a second. Likewise, it's just like we have this small bit, this small rudder, for our human body, we have this small little fleshy, um, muscular organ that is really small, but it can do big things. Listen to some people talk, is what he's saying. It can make great boasts. It can make boasts. It can be boastful. It can be proud. It can be arrogant. Just a statement. And then he says this. Think about this. He uses the word consider. Think about it. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Just a little spark can get a whole fire going. Because think about that. So while they're thinking about it, he kind of brings down the hammer in verse 6. And he says this, The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and says the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. He's saying just like that little bit can be used to turn the horse, and that little, little udder can be used to turn that big ship, that little, little, little tongue can be used, and it can be set on fire, and it can destroy and set upon a, a course of destruction your whole life. Calls it your tongue a world of evil. Not, not our tongue, <laughs> a world of evil. And then he says this to bring it home to there. He says, and it's set on fire by hell. It's set on fire by hell. That word is Gehenna. It's this everlasting fire. It is, he's saying here, the, the tongue is set on fire, the start of it, by Satan himself. And if that's not enough, the next verse says this. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being, did you get that? No human being can tame the tongue. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. Oh my. I kind of feel like at this point we're out of a, a tongue-cutting-out ceremony or something. You know, everybody come forward and we can just start removing our tongues. Isn't that what we think? of? If, if it's full of deadly poison, don't we want to get rid of it? It reminds me of Jesus when he's talking and saying, hey, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. 
If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. This is, hey, if your tongue causes you to sin, just yank it, <laughs> you know? Take it out, get rid of it. James, it can't be that bad, can it? Can it really be that bad? The writer of Proverbs says kind of the same thing. Proverbs 18, 21, he says, the tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death. It's a lot of power for a little muscular, fleshy organ in our mouth. Of course, we know that it's not the muscular, fleshy organ that James is talking about or that the writer of Proverbs is talking about. He's talking about our communication. He's talking about the words we speak. And how many of us, I'm guessing all of us, at one time have, e have been on either the receiving end or worse yet for some of us, the giving end of that life and death conversation. Sometimes our conversations have gone unchecked by God's Spirit. Sometimes the Satan has set that fire and it has worked through us. I had several people come up after the first service and say things like, uh, to preach this sermon, they would have had to go to confession first or would have been tough. Believe me. I had to do that. I had to do some things like that this week. As I'm thinking about God, how has my speech impacted other people? Where has my speech been deadly versus speech controlled by you? What does this mean for Christians living in 2018? What does this James writing mean for us today? I would venture to say that you would all agree with me that our communication today goes far beyond just the speech, the words that come out of our mouth. Today, our communication is posting, snapping, tweeting, sending, texting, all of those things that we use to communicate. The tongue has now been replaced or at least come alongside with the thumb and the finger and the keyboard and those type of things. The communication that we have with those around us and those out in cyberspace that we know and we don't know tell us a lot of who is in control of our speech. So the question isn't just does God have control of my tongue, but does he have control of my thumb and my fingers when I'm doing whatever I may do on my device or devices. The tongue has the power of life and death. I think if the Proverbs, the writer of the Proverbs is writing today, I wonder how that verse might sound. I think it might go something like this. The tongue has the power of life and death. The tweet has the power of life and death. The text has the power of life and death. The snap has the power of life and death. The Facebook post has the power of life and death. The email has the power of life and death. And you can go on and on. The week before Memorial Day weekend when we were in Boston, I was thinking about this message and I was on our 
our daughter and her husband's couch and was sitting there with my Bible open and reading and, and, and thinking about what I might say. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be a, a nice sermon illustration if the week before I preached, someone famous tweeted something really stupid? That's true. Thank you, Roseanne. You know, I, I look at that and I don't like to pick on anybody. And you say, how could you do something so racist and, and disgusting? And then I think of the communications that we may have had or I may have had or the day-to-day that we might have that we would like to have back. And we say, oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. And it used to be sometimes it was just words and you could deny it. (laughs) But now when it's tweeted or posted, when it's on Facebook, it's there. All have the potential for restless evil. All can be full of deadly poison. An important message for today. I think that's why James really isn't, he really isn't interested in this muscular organ. In fact, let's go back to verses 3 and 4. We already looked at those once, but let's look at those again with a new insight. It says here, when we put bits into the mouths of the horses to make them obey us, we, did you get that? We turn the animal, the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. See, his point here is, although the the bit and the rudder are tools, there's still somebody that's in control. The the bit is is a tool for the rider of the horse. The rudder is a tool for the captain of the ship, but somebody is making that call. Who's making that call in our communication? Who is making that call on our tongue? You know what James told us? No human being can do it. (laughs) No human being can tame the tongue. Try as we may. You know, one of the things I love about the book of James, James is is a book, and we can get, it's a letter. It's a letter written to encourage people who are struggling to live out their Christian faith in the best way they can. They, they, they're struggling with temptations. They're struggling with, with difficulties in their lives. They're, they're struggling with yielding to God. But he sends out to us, to them and to us, this practical letter. One commentator says this, the letter of James is a clear statement to believers about personal religious integrity, spiritual maturity, and how to live it responsibly in the church and in the world. And so James is helping us to understand how to control his tongue, how to live out our Christian faith. Even though scattered abroad, even though living amongst pagans, how do we live it out? And when we're going to look at some of the things that James has to say, but he summarizes it pretty much in in not only this issue, but various issues in James chapter 4, verse 7. He says this, submit yourselves then to God. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Remember what I said? James is making it clear that our speech is controlled either by God or it's controlled not by God. And if it's controlled not by God, it's controlled by the one who's lighting that fire. 
It's controlled by Satan. And he says we need to, we need to resist the devil and we need to submit to God in our conversations, in whatever we do. We think we are in control. We're not in control, James tells us. Either God's in control or else, or else it's Satan lighting that fire. So we have a choice. And actually, James lays it out very well. He says, submit and resist. Submit and resist. Easy to understand, simple advice. Get the fires out of your life. Submit and resist. And throughout James's letter, as he's talking to these people, this keeps coming up again and again. Because he's dealing with these problems, and he knows if no man can contain the tongue, this is going to be an issue that we deal with and we deal with and we deal with. Admit it, we know that. Is there anything harder to deal with than what we say and sometimes how we react and, 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 and some of the things we post? Because we know it's difficult to yield that to God. So this morning, there's four things that I see right through, just reading through James, that, that kind of tells us a little bit of how we can bring this under the control, under submission of the Lord. Of the Lord. And, and, and they're kind of just four little easy things to remember. And the first one is this. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. And James didn't say this, but I added, text, tweet, snap, send, or post or whatever social media platform you may use, or maybe you're old school communicator and you write a letter. Listen first, then think. You know, we leave that step out a lot of times. <laughs> Listen first, then think. Formulate a response, then respond. I see that in Facebook so many times. Sometimes you see a situation getting heated in a discussion, and you can tell how heated it is a lot of times because the responses come right after another. I mean, it's like 30 seconds later, one minute later, boom, 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 and until somebody finally says, I'm taking off, I'm going to step back, and I'll come back tomorrow with a response that is more thought out, that is in controlled by my father and not by Satan. James 1.19 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Notice it says brothers and sisters. He's saying, Christ followers. Hey, Christ followers, this is the way it should be. We should be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to become angry. Here's a test. Here's a test. Whether you are slow to speak or not, quick to become angry, how did you react or what came out of your mouth about 11.30 Thursday night? Those of you who are, aren't Cavs fans, you're wondering what I'm talking about. But what is it, what is it that comes out of our mouths when, when we're, we're, we're angry or, or we're disappointed or whatever? Some, someone lets us down. I, I read something some, some pastor had posted. Uh, I'm sure glad my worst moments aren't on national TV for everybody to see. How do we react in those moments? James 1.26, just a few verses later, says this. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Whoa. 
Anybody else getting a little uncomfortable right now? They consider themselves religious. They go through all the trappings, all the, they're performing all the functions. But they don't keep a tight rein on their tongues. That the wording there is that, it's, it, it, is that they're like unbridled horses. Their tongues are just going crazy. Like a horse is just running wild. Yeah, I don't know what that means there. We don't know if he's talking about somebody who's, uh, um, they're, they're, they pretend to be religious or, or, they're, or they're acting religious or consider themselves religious, but, they, but they're full of cutting criticism. That could be one. Maybe they're, maybe they're speaking profanity. That could be it. Maybe they lie. Maybe they boast a lot. Maybe they're just arrogant in their speech. We don't know what it is, but something, it says you're not keeping your tongue, your mouth in tight rein. Finally, it wasn't just James. David wrote many, many years earlier in Psalm 141.3, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Might that be my prayer and your prayer? Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Before I speak, let me be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Quit that guard over my mouth as long as it needs to be there. You may not be hearing anything from me for the next month. (laughs) As long as it needs to be there, God, until I'm ready, until you have taken control, until it's you speaking and not me, which is really the fire started by that spark out of hell. So the second way that James talks about, uh, another way a person submitted to God communicates is by refusing to slander other people in any setting. By any setting, I mean verbal, I mean electronic, written. James 4.11 says this, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. And James 5.9 says, don't grumble against each other, brothers and sisters or you will be judged. He keeps using those brothers and sisters words again. Followers of Christ, don't grumble against each other. Don't slander each other. What's that about? If our speech has been replaced by, 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 by the Holy Spirit, if, if we've been yielded control to God, one thing we're not going to do is slander and complain about those who have been created in his likeness. Third way a person submitted to God communicates is to snap, tweet, text, and post only what is true, honorable, pure, excellent, helpful, trustworthy. Could we go on and on? Praiseworthy, on and on and on. Let's start with the truth. James 5.12, James says this. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. People just need to know, do you speak the truth or do you not speak the truth? Speak the truth. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, let your yea be yea, your nay be nay. Just speak truth. When you just speak truth, nobody has to come up and ask you, is that really true or not? I said it, it's true. The Apostle Paul adds in Ephesians 4.29, he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, 
but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Does what you say encourage? Does what you post, tweet, snap? I didn't even, I didn't even know there was a snap. <laughs> but there is a snap. <laughs> what you snap, is it, is it encourage? Does it build up? Does what you say, does what I say glorify God? Another way of thinking about it, would God give me the thumbs up? Would God give you the thumbs up in what we're about to say or what we said? But you know this, and you could, maybe some people thinking, well, this is the way we talk within the church to each other. But it goes beyond that. It's far beyond that. In fact, Paul says in Colossians 4, 5 through 6, he says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. It's our conversation with outsiders, those who disagree with us, those who oppose us even, full of grace. We can speak the truth. We can speak what is helpful and still be, conver- still be full of grace in our conversation. Seasoned with salt. Make them desire the God that we serve. question to ask is, does what I say represent the Lord Jesus Christ? Does what I say Does what I post, tweet, text, does it represent the Lord Jesus Christ? If it doesn't, do I need to say it? Finally, lastly, we simply need to surrender all, all, all communication to God. All conversation, all social media, all interactions. Surrendered, controlled by God. Because either we resist the devil or we don't. Either we submit to God or we don't. And when we submit and resist, our conversation throughout James, these scriptures we've talked about, tell us that our conversation changes, the tone changes, the content changes. We read before James 3.8, no human being can tame the tongue. It's not our, we're not going to do it. <laughs> We're not going to do it. No human being can tame the tongue. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. Paul writes in Colossians, we've read part of this, but this is Colossians 3, 8 through 10. Let's look at all the way through here. It says, but now you must also rid yourselves of all things, such things, such as anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Then he says this, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self i'm a christ follower now which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator he says don't lie take on this new self the reason the reason that we submit all communications to god is because there's somebody else now in control that wasn't in control before God is now in control. In fact, it says there, we are being renewed. Being renewed is not something we can do. Being renewed is something God's Spirit does in us. Being renewed, we are the object of that. In fact, that, that word means, really means to, we are being grown up. We are being grown up. You know, we don't talk the way we used to talk. It also means we are being transformed. 
That's not us. That's God doing the work. When God is in control, things change. And our talk change, our posts change. I've mentioned what Jesus had to say just a couple times this morning. But this was also a topic that Jesus addressed in his ministry. He gave his life to us, for us. And one thing that we can do is to be transformed and to give him and it's the Holy Spirit control. What does Jesus have to say? Just a couple of verses. First Matthew 12, 20, 36 to 37 says this, but I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for empty word, every empty word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. In Matthew 5, 15, 11, he says this, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. How's your conversation? I think today's a good day to do a checkup on something that we need to do. Not just in the church, you know, I mean, we see it, the lack of civil conversation throughout our society. But this, nowhere in James does it say when you're in society and you're in a pagan world and the civil, and the conversation is not civil, you join in the incivility or uncivility, decivility, whatever it is. No, we set the standard. We become a thermostat, not a thermometer. You know, a thermometer goes up and down. It, it goes up and down based on the environment. Thermostat sets the temperature. And as a church, as a God's people, as brothers and sisters, we should be the thermostat setting the tone of the conversation, setting the standard. In our homes, in our places at work, amongst each other, in those cyberspace places that we don't even know where stuff's going, we should set the standard. I didn't even touch portion of the scriptures that we could find in Psalms and Proverbs and Jesus talking and more and Paul and others, other letters that talk about our speech because I think it's so critical but because it reflects who we are, reflects who's in control and it tells others who's in control maybe more than any other thing in our lives. I encourage you this week consider your conversation, considering what you're sharing, considering what you're posting, tweeting and these steps that James asked us to take, to live a life that is in, 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 in place with what he's asked us to do, that is consistent with our commitment to him. Let's stand together as we close. Maybe, maybe as we bow our heads, if, you even, if, if, if the texting, tweeting, that stuff is, is an issue, maybe you want to even grab your device and keep it in your hand and kind of give it to God. But let's, uh, let's bow our heads. And I just, let's think about those, those things this week that you said maybe. And Lord, things that you need, we need to confess. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for the times that um, we let that fire be lit by Satan. Lord, we let that fire be lit and, and then we even let it get inflamed a little bit. Lord, help us to stamp out that fire. Lord, maybe through your power of your spirit, May we just 
throw as much water in, on that, Lord, to douse it. So, Lord, we could resist Satan, resist that urge to blurt out, resist that urge to respond quickly, resist that urge to cri criticize. Lord, for some that have some language issues, Lord, Lord, I pray that you would give them the, the ability, Lord, to have a new thought, a new heart, a new mind, and speak. Lord, for those who maybe telling the truth has been difficult. Sometimes just because we want to Get, angry, get, get even with somebody. Well, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, help us that our, our talk would be seasoned with grace and salt. Help us this week. Lord, we need your help. This epidemic of conversation is infiltrated even the church. Lord, help us with our mouths, with our fingers, with our keyboards. But Lord, it's your spirit that's doing that. We know those are just tools. May you have control. Lord, may we yield control to you. May Lord, you in this week step onto the throne of our lives. Take control of this thing we call the tongue. Make it yours, Lord. And we will give you praise for the changes in our lives, in our family lives, those around us as they see the change in us. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. For benediction this morning, would you read with me the words of the psalmist, chapter 19, verse 14. Let's read together. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You are dismissed. Go into peace in the grace of the Lord.